Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. One of the children, please. One of the children. How are you feeling? Hope you are much better. Yeah, that's enough. Thanks. Okay. Um, who is sitting next to you there? Lisa and Raph. Lisa. Lisa. Hello. Don't hide your face. Good. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see your face. Will you open us up in prayer? Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for for gathering us here today and for um, helping everything and giving us the time to um, spend, um, giving us the time to gather together and um, learn more about you. I pray that you bless Brother George as he's going to teach us and may we learn about you and apply um, this um, learning, this teaching to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll continue from where we stopped last week. Um, we're looking at Second Kings, chapter six. If you remember, we're we're studying the story of Elisha and his dealings with the king of Syria or the king of Aram, as it were. Um, so let's. Let's go to um, 2 Kings 6. We'll read from just as a background context. Let's, uh, I know we read it last week, but it's just good. Let's read the whole thing again. We're not reading it to kill time. We're just reading it so that we can get another fresh understanding of what God might want to show us in his word again. So, um, let's read it from verse 8 again. Or maybe we should read it from where we stopped. We stopped at verse 13. We are familiar with the story now. So, we can start reading from verse 13 down to the end. Down to verse 23. So 2 Kings chapter 6, from verse 13. And then, when we finish reading the story, can somebody give us a good summary of what we discussed last week as well? So we can take off from there. So, who's going to help us? Volunteers from the children. From the young adult, let me not call them children again because they are growing. Um, I'll read. Yes, Samuel. Um, so from verse 13 to 23. Let's hear you. We're not hearing you well. From verse 13 to 23. Yeah. Go find out where he is, the king ordered. 
Man can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sends horses and chariots and a strong force there. They, uh, they went by night and surrounded by the sound of the city. The servant of the man of God got up, went out, and went out early the next morning. An army, uh, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what should we do? The servant asked. Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us more than who, those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that we may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills fill the forth to the chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, and Elisha, as Elisha had asked, Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Open the eyes of these men, so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and then inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have not captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them, so they drink, and then go back to their master. So he pre prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Can somebody just remind us, please? You know, like we said, we are studying this story, and we said a few things last week. Um, God showed us a few things last week, and it's just good to be reminded of those things so that we can take off from there. So, one of the children, thank you very much. Can you somehow just share with us your notes? I'm usually calling Regine to share. So, who else can share for us? Regine, don't worry, I'm not calling you this week. <laughs> I'm not calling you this week. But who else can share with us? Because last, last, um, last week. Uh, I can, I can try. Yes, thanks. So, yes. The enemy is constantly trying to make us fall, but we must listen to the warnings in God's word that tell us to avoid the evil one and its, and its empty promises. Uh, God's word has remained important and applicable throughout the centuries and still is even to this day. Verse um, 11, the king of Syria was greatly troubled when he discovered that his plans were being revealed. Similarly, when we slip away from the schemes, he gets angered. Um, on the other hand, God, our Father, smiles upon us. As seen in Daniel 2, God reveals unto us secret things. When Daniel was shown the meaning of King Nebuchadnezzar, 
um, he prays he prays God. Um, when we are granted with success, we like then we should praise and thank the Lord instead of boasting. Everything we think we have comes from Him. As a result, others will praise God. Can the one that will humble himself? Um, Job thirteen twenty two says He uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings light to the deepest gloom. Verse thirteen. The bad king demanded to know the location of the prophet goes, uh, of Elisha. The enemy will demand our location. Um, the enemy is asking the same. Uh, where are we in our relationship with God? Uh, we must assess for ourselves where we are in our relationship with God. And Very much. Bini, you are welcome. Dominic, you are also welcome. We are looking at Second Kings chapter six, and we've been studying the story from verse eight of um, Elisha's dealings with the king of Israel and the king of um, um, Syria, and the we are trying to draw spiritual lessons for our lives. Last, um, Ralph has just summarized it beautifully for us on the, some of the things we discussed last week. And this week we are looking at verse 13, starting from verse 13. It is um, from verse 13, the, the king, like we've read, the king of Aram was surprised that all his secrets were being revealed to the king of Israel. So he couldn't obtain any strategic victory over the king of Israel in their battle or in their war. And I remember God reminded us again that we are actually in a war with the enemy. That war is not over for us until we get to the other side of eternity. It doesn't stop. Even if you become 90 years old, the war continues. You don't become a veteran in this war. You don't become a veteran. You don't retire from it. You don't say I have been a Christian for 80 years and I'm now in my 81st year. I think I need to retire. You don't do that. You keep pushing the enemy back until you go to heaven. And thank God for Jesus. You see, he has already given us the victory. The reason why me and you are alive is so that we can consolidate that victory on behalf of Jesus. And I'm praying that none of us will give up. That we will keep fighting the good fight of faith. We will keep upholding the banner of Jesus in our generation. 
so that once you get to heaven, they will welcome you and say, well done, good soldier. I remember Paul was reminding Timothy very clearly. Maybe we should read that scripture. Second Timothy, just to remind us of where we are, we are where we are when it comes to this battle. Look at it. Um Second Timothy. Let's read it from Bas. Second Timothy chapter two. We'll read it from Bas. I'll read it from Bas three. Sorry, interference there. Um, I think we are fine now. So Second Timothy chapter two from verse three. The Bible says, "You therefore must endure hardness." As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself it says so let me read it again from verse three. You therefore must endure hardship. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. So we are reminded in that scripture that as a good soldier of Jesus, you need to do endure hardship. The reason why you need to endure hardship is because if you will please Jesus, if you will not bow to the temptation of the enemy, be ready to push your physical body so that you do not end up making the devil happy. What am I trying to say? When it's endure hardship, at times, Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Remember the temptation. He was hungry. He was hungry. And the enemy came and said, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. So if 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 you were in that position and you were not ready to endure hunger, and the enemy came to you. And suggested you should turn stones into bread and you listened because you were not ready for hunger. Will you not bow to his to his bidding? Will you not bow to his instruction? So that scripture you can you can put it, you can you can um, apply it to various aspects of your life. There are times when the 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 enemy can orchestrate and arrange circumstances and he's just trying to push you to make sure you listen to his but if you have not learned to to 
to put your body and your desires on under. You will listen to him. Have we not heard of stories of people who will compromise their faith all because they want to have money? They will compromise their faith all because they want to get favor or get money or get any any desirable thing. When they have not learned to and in some instances, they will actually need the money for something they they they, they want to they want they have a pressing need in their life, and the money is not available, and then the enemy presents a terrible situation, and he wants you to compromise your faith so that you can get the money. When you have not learned to endure happiness, you will compromise. And when you compromise, what happens? You will listen to his bidding. And at the end of the day, you cannot be a surprised. So when Paul was warning Timothy, it's as if God is also warning us. If me and you are going to be the good soldiers of Jesus, to fight the good fight of faith, one of the criteria is he needs to we need to endure hardness. Excuse me, have you seen a soldier who cannot endure hardness? And he calls himself a soldier. Do you do the training? Actually, it says here in the Amplified, not yes. only a good soldier, but good first-class soldier. <laughs> first-class soldier. Oh, I, I we. I know you guys know. Do you know the training soldiers undergo? You know, at times when God passes us through very difficult situations, it's part of training your heart. When God wants to train you in patience, He can pass you through a very difficult situation, and all He's doing. He wants to enlarge your heart so that you be patient. So that you will not bow to temptation. Because you see, at times, you are, you are tempted to get the quick and fastest solution to a problem. And that solution can be ungodly. Remember, you prayed about the situation. The answer has not come. And then you see a quick solution, which is ungodly. If you have not learned to be to be patient and wait on God, you will compromise. All this is part of the package during hardness. If somebody holds a gun to your head now and says, deny Jesus so that you can eat, and there is no food around. What will happen? I know it sounds far-fetched, and this is not applicable in our in our society. But do you know this is the situation for some people in other parts of the world? They are going through terrible situations. And I was just reading recently about the situation in Afghanistan. Huh? The Taliban, they are going through people's phones and checking if they have Bibles on their phones. 
if they see a Bible app or a Bible on their phone, they start persecuting them. Some of them are summarily executed there and then on the spot. If you don't endure hardness and you in that situation, they see your phone. And like me, I have various translations on my phone. And they say, excuse me, are you a Christian? Look at the Bibles on your phone. If I've not learned to endure hardness, what do you think I will say? Actually, actually, uh, um, 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 I think I downloaded it by mistake. <laughs> and actually, it was my junior brother, senior brother's cousin that borrowed my phone and downloaded it. I remember when there were there were some religious riots in um, in the city where I was living in northern Nigeria, and a sister was telling us of how God delivered her, and what happened was she was ambushed, and then the Muslims were coming and they were just burning houses and and killing people. And they 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 caught her, and they told her to recite because what she was doing was that she was speaking the local language, and they asked her to recite some Quranic verses. She was formerly a Muslim, and she has now a Christian, committed her heart to Jesus. So they asked her. She she see them and say, please, let me go, leave me alone. He said, okay, recite some Quranic verses. She knew the verses because she was a Muslim. But she didn't. She was just begging them. And as she was begging them, she was also praying in her heart. She was saying, God, if this is how I'm going to come to you, so be it. And immediately, that was how one of the, she was just praying, one of the people who accosted her um, just passed a comment. He told the other people who were harassing her. They wanted to kill her. They said, he just shouted. He said, leave that She won't be any use to us. That's how they left her. And that's how she was saved that day. He almost killed her. What am I saying, beloved brethren? When, Jesus, when the Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus, as a first class soldier, we must embrace it. It's not to embrace it so that we'll be, we'll be suffering for nothing. No, Jesus embraced hunger so that he can. So that he can please the one who has enlisted him. And I'm just praying that God will help us that even in this generation we will not make anything too big that will make us compromise our faith. You know that scripture said very clearly it said no, in verse 4, he said, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his life. You are a soldier of Jesus. 
Excuse me, I want to ask you a question. Do you know when a soldier is on the battlefront and they are and they are engaging the enemy? Do you think at that point they are thinking about the price of petrol in the country? I want to ask you. Are they thinking whether there is broadband in the house? Their life is at stake. Are they checking? Oh, the Wi-Fi is slow. Is that what is concerning them at that point? <laughs> Do they worry whether Boris Johnson combs his hair or not? Is that the issue for them? A soldier is facing battle. If he doesn't make the right decisions, his life goes for it. And he's thinking, what? Um, why is it that Boris Johnson doesn't comb his hair? Is that the concern in front of the enemy? Beloved brethren, should this scripture not remind us that as soldiers of Jesus, we should be we should be concerned about heavenly matters? Yes, we are living in this world, but please do not entangle yourself, do not engross yourself. In the affairs of this life, Nika, can you read that scripture from verse from Amplified for us? What of Amplified? Verse four. Okay. Of, um, second Timothy. Yes, yeah, Second Timothy chapter two, verse four. Yes. No, no soldier when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Do you know, you see, I pray we understand this. Does anybody have any other translation before we... Let me read it from New Living Translation. It says, as, a, as Christ soldier, do not let yourself become tied up. In the affairs of this life tied up entangled engrossed that is what occupies your your mind now the affairs of this life you know in as much as you know let's understand in as much as we are world we are not of the world Remember, Paul, um, Paul, no, Peter was being told by Jesus. You know, Jesus was rebuking Peter. He said, You are mindful, your mind is full of the things, human things, human endeavors. That's what your mind is full of. Yes, we are not living in a as as monks. We are living in this world. But at the same time, we must not allow our minds to be engrossed. You know, that's why. That was why very clearly the word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, all those scriptures are written so that we will not be engrossed. As you are a soldier seeking the kingdom of God, Seeking the 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 forbearance of the Lord Jesus and His kingdom, God takes care of He takes care of the rest. 
That's why a soldier should not worry. It should not worry what he's going to eat. Because the army establishment provides for him. The soldier doesn't worry which house he lives in. They've already provided housing accommodation for them. Do you understand? The soldier is provided for so that he can concentrate on the battle at hand. The same thing applies to us as Christians. Our Heavenly Father, He is a Father. He is not going to leave you prompt. Not good. That's why we have a Heavenly Father. He is here to provide for us. Now, what He's going to provide for us is not. It might not be um, a three, a, 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 a eleven bedroom mansion. You don't need an eleven bedroom mansion because you can only live in one room. You can only sleep on one bed at one time. A soldier, he can live on the barest minimum. Why? Because he has endured hardness. Oh, beloved, what is God trying to impress on our hearts is that as a soldier, we must keep track, we must keep focus on heavenly matters so that we can keep defeating the enemy every time. The enemy will always bring civilian affairs to entangle your heart with so that you don't keep a focus on your goal. Look at the goal here. He said, so that you may satisfy, you may please the one who has enlisted you. And excuse me, who has enlisted us as soldiers of the kingdom? It's the Lord Jesus. Because you are enlisted in heavenlies, in the heavens army, we need to be focused in pleasing him. Yes, Kevin. Um, I've been looking at a lot of business coaching and other sort of personal development stuff, and although this one hasn't been on it very much, as what's his name now? He's got a funny name about living in the now. Living okay. in the now, and um, I don't know what they're teaching the children. They're probably not teaching it, but just by being at school, the teenagers and that. What would you? I mean, a lot of a lot of that teaching is is it uses a you know a lot of thinking and a lot of processing, which isn't too far away from what we're talking now. Yeah. The how do you, how how do you help help people generally, but obviously the youngsters I'm talking about now, not to get entangled, as you say. With all these sort of get successful, maybe not get rich, but get mm-hmm. successful quickly by applying all these processes, which sound a bit like what uh, we're saying, but obviously they have the, the missing ingredients, yeah. yeah, sort of thing. But all very convincing. Um, um, I, I just wanted to say there's a general principle that has always helped my understanding of living in this world, and that general principle is this. Everything I am doing now, being a doctor, being an accountant, any work of profession, even as a student, everything must be geared, must be directed towards 
matters concerning the kingdom. Everything. Even if you are a business coach, what you are doing is you are using that as a platform to draw people into the kingdom. Even when you teach worldly principles, worldly principles, eh? you are using that because that's your job, but you are using it as a means to serve God, even in that profession. Look at scriptures. There are people who had various worldly positions, but when they came to know Jesus, they harnessed God to serve him. Joseph of Arimathea was a notable man in society at that time. Jesus had just been crucified. Guess what he did? He used his position, he used his influence to go to Pilate and say, Mr. Pilate, you have just um, seen how they crucified this Jesus. Give me his body. Pilate, because he respected Joseph of Arimathea, he handed that body over to him. And there are several examples in scriptures that in whatever we are doing, we should know that first of all, you are a follower of Jesus. And you are secondarily a doctor. So I have to harness whatever I'm doing, be it a student, any work of life, I can harness it to, to bring about the counsel of God in the lives of people. You know, when I look at people like Daniel, he used to touch me. But Daniel was not a preacher. He was not a man of God in that context. As in, he was not a recognized, it wasn't as if he had one, he had an anointing, of course. But if you go to Babylon in those days and you are asking for the prophet of God, you know, he was an administrator who used his relationship with God to affect his generation. You know, I've said it before, and I'll just say it again. A lot of times we think that the people who will get the greatest reward in heaven are pastors, are preachers. We think the cleaner in the office who loves God, who is faithfully serving God, and is using his opportunities to serve God, we think he's not worthy of a great reward. Excuse use every opportunity we have even if we are not in a recognized religious office to serve God we have seen it time and time again look at Luke the Luke of the Bible the, the, the brother was a doctor and he was a traveling companion he was just taking record he was just described writing everything down that was happening with Paul his word. He was not a preacher. He only recorded the accounts of things that happened. He kept a, a diary. That was all he was doing. 
how he will lose his reward. You know, I'm just praying that that understanding will, you know, we are, we are doing a job, first of all, not because we are collecting salary to make, to pay our bills. The, it's an opportunity, whatever job we are doing, God, God will help us understand that it's a platform to carry his will and affect people for the kingdom. That is what it should be. Even if I'm a secretary in the office, as I relate with the other secretaries, I'm passing across the mind of Christ in a small way. God will reward you for that little contribution you are making to the kingdom of God. Several people. You see, that's why you can carry Jesus into the research lab. Through your simple testimony, other researchers in, are in the lab. Some of them are having problems with their experiments. And you go and help out. And they are asking you, oh, how did you get to this? And you know that you prayed <laughs> for God to give you wisdom to get to a particular research solution. And you share with them, you say, actually, it's not me. God helped me. What do you mean by God? Then you sit down and explain. And you share the gospel. Excuse me. You are bringing Jesus into the research lab. You know, I was watching part of the Olympics and I saw how some of the athletes, I knew there was one of the athletes. She won a race and she kept talking about, I thank God. You know, this is what God can do. I was down, but the Lord helped me. And she kept mentioning about God. She kept, in fact, the interview, she couldn't make a statement without making reference. She's only using her platform to indirectly share the gospel. I'm praying that this will be our the way we think. You see, this is how to be a soldier. You are so engrossed in the battle for heaven, for the souls of men to get to heaven, that you use every avenue to share the gospel. So even in 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 this instance you've given, we can harness our understanding of God to bring in the truth. And most times, when we are talking to people, because they don't know the Lord Jesus, we need to start from the salvation message. Because when you start talking about living by faith, <laughs> they don't understand most of the time. But when we are using the gospel as a platform, we share the gospel, and then we draw people in. I've, 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 I think I've shared it before here. How, uh, um, you know, there were times in the hospital when we had a very serious situation on ground. You know, we are operating and we are just stuck. And we've been struggling. And you suggest to somebody and say, see, we are, we are stuck here, let's pray. <laughs> and they will laugh. Pray? What do you mean? I say, yes, let's pray. Because without God here, we are finished. We won't help this patient. Okay, pray. And as you pray, God just does it. And you were right. You prayed. And something has happened. You know, that's God. 
doing his work in the midst and being a weakness for him, even in that theater, operating theater environment. One recently happened. In fact, it was very dramatic. I don't. I, if I start sharing that now, it will take a long time. We'll leave it for another time. So I, I pray that God will give us that mindset to carry Jesus everywhere. To know that your life is not separate in the office and in the church. Your life is not different in the school. And then when you come for Bible study, no, it's still the same one life. But you are carrying Jesus everywhere. You are reflecting his glory through your life. I trust that God will help us. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go back to Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. We are looking at that. Um, let me go there. We're looking at verse 13. Isn't it? Um, sorry, let me get the Second Kings 6 from verse 13. So, we saw how the king of Aram, or the king of Syria, made, made a statement. And that was where we stopped last time. I think it says, when, you know, when they told the king that, see, nobody is revealing your secrets from us. There's a man called Elisha, the prophet of God, who, dis who, <laughs> who discusses your very words, what you say in your bedroom. He, will, he can reveal it to the king of Israel. And we remember, like Ralph reminded us from his notes, that our God is a revealer of secrets. He doesn't hide things in that sense no matter how dark a secret is the lord and god was challenging our hearts that since god is a revealer of secrets and we saw the example of daniel god can choose to reveal the secret of the enemy to us and he has even done it again and again through his word there is no trick the enemy will bring that has not been revealed to us in the word of God. All his tricks and scams they have been revealed by God's grace to us through his word. So verse 13 says, the king said go and see where he is so that I may send and get him. And remember last time we talked about the fact that when the enemy is asking, go and see where he is. He's only checking, where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in your devotional life with the Lord Jesus? Are you remaining within the boundary of God? Are you maintaining a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus? That was the question the Holy Spirit left us with last time. Now, look at that verse. It's very interesting. The king was asking, he said, go and see where he is, so that I may send and get him. <laughs> very interesting. Do you remember? You know, I was, I was reminded again in Sunday. It's so touching. 
that this question, go and see, or this programmation, go and see where it is. We have heard it before. In the New Testament. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Just quickly. We have heard that kind of statement before. Go and see where it is. Matthew chapter 2. This is when Jesus was born. And the wise men came looking for Jesus. Do you remember? Matthew chapter 2. Let me read very quickly. I'm reading it from New King James Version. The Bible says, from verse 1, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. Verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophets, verse 6, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had assaulted the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word that I may come and worship him. Very interesting. Go and search carefully. Go and see where he is. And when you are found him, bring back word to me so that I can go and worship him. Wickedness. We all knew later on what Herod was planning. Look at verse 16 of that same chapter. Then Herod, when he saw that he, that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all his districts from two years old and under. According to the time which he had determined from the wise men. You see the devil. In an attempt to catch Jesus, what did he want to do? What did he do? He slaughtered all the same children. And excuse me, like I told you, the enemy has not changed his tactics. In an attempt to get your soul, he can sacrifice the soul of everybody around you to get you. What am I trying to say? <clears throat> the enemy doesn't care. He will do everything to try and make you go into a Christless eternity. 
I was thinking, I've said, I think I've shared this before. I was thinking the other day. The, the devil wanted to silence. I will not say, well, I can say the devil in a sense. Um, John the Baptist was arrested. Do you remember? And they kept him in prison. And it was a very funny situation. If you read the story, I call it funny because it's very weird. Eh? Herod's daughter. Do you remember? The daughter of Herodias was doing a dancing competition. And or was not the dancing of Gion, was dancing and he pleased the king so much. And the king said, See, because you have danced like this, hmm, ask for anything up to half my kingdom. Ah, very interesting. And the girl could not give an answer, so she went to her mother. And the mother asked for the head of John the Baptist. You know, it's so interesting that you have the option of getting half the kingdom or getting somebody's head and you choose the person's head. Is it not daft? It doesn't sound sensible to me that you decided to choose. They gave you an option. Get half the kingdom and all the resources of the kingdom. And then you have the opportunity. They are giving the option of somebody's head. And you chose somebody's head. It doesn't make sense. So you see, that is what the enemy can do. The enemy is not interested in money. He's not interested in, in, um, in cars. He's not interested in dollars or pounds. What he's interested in is your soul. You see, that story of John the Baptist and how he died is just a representation, an illustrative representation, how far the enemy can go to get your head. And you see, I was just using that to explain the war we are in. The enemy will do anything. Like how we use Herod to kill those innocent children. Why? Because he's trying to get at Jesus. I'm just trying to, like I said, we've had that question, that instruction. Go and see where he is. Now, the king, if we go back to Second Kings chapter 6, that verse 13, the king said, go and see where he is, so that I may send and get him. Do you know that where you are in your relationship with God, where you are in your, in your, uh, in your devotion to the things of God, where you are in your work with God, has a big influence on whether the enemy can get at you or not. Look at it. Why was the king asking to go and check where he is? 
so that he can go and capture him. It was very interesting. And you see, that teaches me that where I am in the things of God, whether I am in the boundary of God's law, whether I am in a far country, away from God, away from God's presence, the enemy will have access to me if I'm in those places. Look at something. Do you remember something? Remember something? Excuse me. How did the enemy get to shave the locks of his hair? Where was he, please? He was on the lap of a woman. If he was not in that house, sleeping next to Delilah, excuse me, how would the enemy get to shave his head? So you see, it was as if they also asked the same thing about something. Where he, he, is he? So that we can go and catch him. Where you are in your relationship with God is very important, beloved brethren. Please, we cannot underestimate this. The enemy is a way, where is he? So that we can capture him. How can you capture somebody who is in Christ? You understand? I pray you understand where you are in Christ. Can we remind ourselves where we are in Christ? Colossians chapter 3, please. Just let's remind ourselves. Where are you in Christ? Colossians 3. If you are there, please just read it. Read from verse. Colossians 3. From verse. Let's just read from verse 1. Just for clarity. Please. Colossians 3 from verse 1. Read it down to verse 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affliction on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and you are blind with Christ and God. Let me read verse 3 from New King James. It says, For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, excuse me, look at verse 1. Verse 1 said, If you are risen with Christ, and by God's grace, you are risen with Christ. When you give your heart to Jesus, you are risen with Him. And verse 3 reminds us, it says, for life is hidden with Christ in God. So, first of all, you are risen with Christ, and you are hidden in Christ. And where is Christ? Please, Christ is in God. So, where are you? You are in God. And the enemy is asking, go and check where he is. So that, how can they get somebody who is in Christ? 
Do you understand? So that's why where you are is important. I pray we understand the, the victory we have in Jesus. As long as you remain in Christ, the enemy won't catch you. Why was it that was trapped by the enemy to betray Jesus? It was because he was far away from Jesus. How did Peter deny Jesus? The Bible said, Peter followed Jesus from afar. Where you are determines whether the enemy will get at you or not. If you go and check, when you are close to Jesus, you are cautious, you are watchful, you are prayerful. When you are far, the last time you read your Bible and prayed sincerely was two weeks ago. You will notice very quickly that your heart has gone away from Jesus and you start compromising. So, beloved brethren, that verse in 2 Kings chapter 6 is reminding us that where you are can make you vulnerable to the enemy's um, um, attempts to catch you out. So, what is that verse challenging us to do? It's challenging us very clearly that we should stay close to Jesus. We must not allow the distractions of this world to drag us away from Jesus. A soul that is in Jesus is secure. Even when discouragement comes, that faith is strong in Jesus. Why did Jesus say, Do not fear what you don't fear anybody who can hurt, who can who can kill the body? what Jesus said. He said, don't fear the man or don't fear people who will hurt the body. But fear God. Fear God. Beloved, because you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, your your uphold must be in Jesus. that God will give us more and more understanding. So, let's go back to Second Kings. Sorry, our time has gone. Second Kings again, chapter 6. Look at it. The Bible says, go and see where he is that I'm getting. And God is reminding us again, as long as you are in Jesus, they can't get you. And the next part of that verse, and he goes told him, saying, surely he's in Botham. And you know, as I was thinking about this verse, the question arose, Botham, what is the significance of Botham? 
and I did a bit of research just to check that that place, Dotham, what does it signify? Some as you check the meaning of the word Dotham, I was checking, and it Dotham meant in Bible name meaning meant the law. It meant the commandment. Now, other people have brought up other meanings for the name. But I just thought that Dotham was a place of security in that sense. Remember, it was in Dotham that Joseph's brothers were. And he was sold into slavery. It was in Dotham. If you remember the story of Joseph and his brother in Genesis, I think it's chapter 39. Also, I'm not sure now about it, but I think it's 39 or so. He, he was, or is it 36? He was, he was, um, his father sent him, Jacob sent him to go and check how his brothers were doing. And he went at first, he didn't see them, and somebody saw him wandering around. And they he asked if they had seen his brothers, they, they told him they are they have gone to Dota. Is where Jacob and um, Joseph was sold into slavery. Jordan was the place where J Joseph lost his liberty. And the Bible is saying here that Elisha was in Jordan. What does that imply for my heart? It means. If you are going to be secure in Christ, you have to lose your personal liberty and surrender all to Jesus. What I mean by personal liberty is, you know, when you look at it, you think that a Christian is not free. But actually, true liberty is in Christ Jesus. You see, Joseph was taken up as a slave in Dotham. He surrendered his liberty in that sense in Dotham. For us to be saved, beloved brethren, you too, I too, need to be totally surrendered to Jesus so that he can actually be our God. Was it not? Um, I can't remember which theologian said this. He said something like this. I might be wrong in quoting it, but please help me. Bear with me. He said, how can you save what you cannot keep? It's only wise for you to give up what you cannot keep. So please. No wonder Jesus said, eh? if you if you do not hate your life, you cannot... Is, it, is that I'm not putting it properly, but true freedom is actually when you surrender to the one who can keep you. If you think you can save your life and you keep it, you are making a mistake. You need to surrender that life to Jesus wholeheartedly so that He can keep it because you cannot keep your life. If you try to keep your life, you will lose it. 
Yotam was where, like I said, um, Jacob lost his liberty. And that was the beginning of God ordering directly Joseph's life into where he was going to go. So Elisha was in Yotam. He was in the security of God. How can you go and catch him there? How can the enemy catch a man who has given him off to God? Impossible. I'm praying that we will meditate on these things. Are we worried about situations in our lives? Why don't you cast all that care upon Jesus? Why don't you give up the worry? And say, Lord, this issue, I hand it over to you. I can't handle it. Because every time I try to handle it, it just gives me stress. Why don't you give it all up? Are you holding on to a particular decision? And the Holy Spirit is saying, give it up. So that you can experience my grace. So that you can experience my strength because the bible says in your weakness it is in your weakness that god's strength is shown i'm praying that god yep that we will realize that it is only in god we are secure when we when we just you know the natural thing most times is for us to be independent that's the thinking i know what i'm doing i know what i'm doing i can do it leave me alone i know what i'm doing and the holy spirit keeps pointing to you and say relax why don't you just wait for me to move why don't you just submit so that i can do what i want to do in your life look at joseph it was on dotan they took him to, to Egypt, in Potiphar's house. It was from Potiphar's house he entered the prison. From prison, he became the prime minister of Egypt. A man who had given up his independence, and God started directing him. I know the, direct, the, direct, the directing was hard. But eventually, did God make his will to come to pass? He did. When we allow ourselves to remain at Dotham, God will order your step accordingly. When you lose your independence in God, he takes over. But when you are still strong in yourself, God doesn't force anybody. He doesn't. If we don't truly surrender to Him in various aspects of our lives, He can't take over. I pray God will grant us understanding. Sorry, I will stop here. Our time is gone. Next time, we will continue from verse 14. Very interesting story. We have so many lessons we can learn there. But I trust that God will help us because the issues we've discussed about being a good soldier of Christ, about 
enduring hardness so that we can please God who has enlisted us to be so that we will take it to heart and pray about those things. We will embrace the truth of the word of God afresh and realize and ask God to cement it in our hearts that where you are in the in the place in the place of God, your position is in Christ, you won't take it for granted. The enemy knows that you are in a glorious place. So what was he trying to do? He's trying to trick you to come out of that glorious position so I can get at you. The enemy tried it with Job. He said, have you not so he was telling God, have you not surrounded Job with your hedge? He's within your hedge, Lord. We can't get at him. I've checked. When I went the last time, it was still within your hedge. The hedge is protected him around. Take away his wealth so that he can break that hedge and come out. Then we strike. I pray God make you appreciate your position on Jesus so that you can go far with him. So, please let's take time to pray on these points. And may God, grant, keep grant, may God keep speaking to our hearts beyond this study. I'll stop here. Amen. Praise the Lord, the Word of God. And before we go to um, our prayer, uh, because at present we are uh, studying Book of Psalms, and um, I came across with uh, Psalm chapter 18, verse 39, and it says here, For you equipped me with the strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. So to be a good soldier, and uh, we have to continue to surrender our lives to God and he will do the job. It's not by our own strength but by God. So praise the Lord for his word that we have learned tonight and it bless me so much. And let's go to our prayer request and for our Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 